Funding for WPLN News comes from you, our listeners, and Bernstein Private Wealth, working with creators and innovators to invest with intention and build the legacy they want to leave behind. More at Bernstein.com. I'm Khalil A. Colonna, and this is Nashville. In March of the next year, This Is Nashville will celebrate two years on the air. A lot has changed for us since we started. Changes to the show and the city. When we launched This Is Nashville, we had a weekly segment called At Us, you know, where we read the comments so you don't have to. I and a member of the show team would talk about the tweets, emails, letters, and direct messages our listeners shared with us. All so you know, we could hear what's important to you as you discuss it. It has been a little bit of a while since we had an Add Us segment. So later this hour, we're going to open up the phone lines so we can talk with you about the show's progression. That's coming up later in the show, but I'll give you the number now. It's called 615-760-2000 to get on the line. That's 615-760-2000. But first up, Halloween has come and passed us by. Long gone are the candies and decorations. Costumes are hung up and replaced with scarves, and depending on the weather, mittens. We had a very different type of Halloween episode that we will talk about later on in the show. That episode focused on black horror. Our producer, Magnolia McKay, caught up with Sharonica Hayes, who works as special projects associate and front of house manager at the Belcourt Theater. They discussed the themes of black horror in film. Here's that conversation. I do a number of things. My role is a hybrid role. I work in the front of house, but um, outside of that, I also help program um, engagement that corresponds with the films that we play and oftentimes I choose the films that the engagement corresponds with so uh, there's two parts of programming Um, one part is you know the film itself and then the other part is the way that we connect it to the community the unique part about the bell cord is that we kind of have this natural filtration system of people who are already coming here because they are invested in exploring the ideas of the people who curate programs here and they because this is an institution that is a hundred years old and all institutions have their flaws and the Belcourt certainly has its flaws um, but I think that for the most part, you know, the people who have um, preceded me have done a really good job of of creating a community of filmgoers that are that are really um, passionate and curious and open-minded, and you know, um, I think and and at. And at the very core, they're very patient. Um, they're very patient with the bell court, for better or for worse sometimes. Um, and so they have a lot of trust in, um, they have a lot of trust in what we do. And I think that that really kind of helps naturally, um, it kind of helps people come in here very wide open to learning and receiving the messages of either me or Allison Inman or the people that we put in front of them um, to kind of talk about 
films? I think my background primarily starts as a storyteller. Like, I'm a writer and I'm a movie lover. Although, you know, I think when we think of the term like cinephile, we usually think of that as people who, you know, primarily like art house movies. And um, so, I grew up in a black household with a, to a mom that was 17 years old. Uh, so I was pretty late in my life when I got introduced to, you know, some of the more obscure films or, you know, um, even films that are not really obscure, but are just not something that a 17 year old black mother would, you know, that would be on their radar. Um, and so as a storyteller, I found that, um, you know, I loved reading and I loved consuming stories of all kind of mediums, but film, the language of film itself is something that I became really interested in, um, kind of like in my late 20s. Um, and I realized that it was this whole world that I was kind of new to. Um, like I knew, you know, classic Disney movies and stuff that any, you know, semi-privileged person with a television could consume, but there was this whole, you know, I, I was, I had only really scratched the surface of the iceberg and um, I found in my late 20s that there was all of this film culture that existed, um, especially black film culture that was uncharted territory for me. And so I just really wanted to immerse myself in a community that I could learn in. Um, and my main goal initially was to learn. I didn't set out with the intention of, you know, becoming a leader or someone that can, you know, underwrite programs or things like that. I just wanted to know more about filmmaking. I wanted to consume more films that I hadn't before and to begin a conversation about black horror for me, definitely, I would have to start at my roots. Um, so I grew up uh, in a household where I could pretty much watch whatever I wanted to. Um, and my mom, you know, she didn't really put any restrictions because I think she was also very young. And so, you know, um, I kind of watched whatever she watched and um, she was very um, eclectic with her tastes in movies like, um, as far as what was on the TV, you know, like she would watch like Silence of the Lambs. That was a movie that came out when I was born. And she would also watch things like, you know, um, Do the Right Thing, just whatever was on. She, um, even though her resources were limited to what was, whatever was on the TV, she never really diverted her attention from anything that she couldn't connect with um, culturally. So I, well, I was exposed to a lot of different kinds of films um, from a very early age. And of course, one of those was horror. And I remember, I think one of my earliest um, horror experiences uh, was watching Child's Play, and it terrified the hell out of me. And I don't know why that was exciting, um, but from there, I just knew that it was a genre of films that could really do a lot of damage, but also um, it would be fun to endure it. And so the first black horror film that I remember watching is Candyman, which a little plug just recently played at the Belcourt Theater. I hope you were there. Um, but I remember watching Candyman and it was the first time that I'd seen a black man in horror get to be like the villain 
Um, but in horror, horror does this weird thing where it kind of makes you really assess, you know, like who you're rooting for. And then oftentimes in horror, we find that we are rooting for the villain. And it's this weird genre where we get to do that, right? Like we get to idolize the person that is wreaking havoc in these communities. Um, and in a way, you know, you get to work out your own empathy or whatever. Not that I was conscious that I was doing that, you know, at the age of like six or whatever. But it was there. And um, I remember watching Candyman and just being so one like captivated by Tony Todd's voice like he they're doing some kind of weird voice thing in the movie that I don't really know like whatever was happening in voice technology um, in like the 90s but um, it, it, his voice was really captivating and it's almost like it was like ASMR or something like I just remember being so like just having weird sensations and response to how he was talking in the movie um, and then on top of that like really being able to like see one part of my identity which is being black reflected in this genre that I already had a lot of love and respect for so that was really cool and I think that it definitely like planted a seed in me that eventually grew into a full-blown you know um, ability to appreciate every facet of the genre now as an adult and yeah that's kind of I guess the foundation of my love for black horror some black horror that I recommend, and this is changing literally every day because we're just getting flooded with so much great, thoughtful black horror, or, you know, films that have diverse casts. Um, so definitely Candyman, definitely Tales from the Hood. Um, and then from there, uh, I classify a lot of like vampire movies as horror. I think that you might find people who don't necessarily classify vampire films as horror, but it, it hits a lot of the same boxes um, as other horror films. So um, a movie called Ganja and Hess about, it's a, like a black romance, it's beautiful, uh, very bloody, very gorgeous, very sexy. Um, and then, let's see, Obviously, you gotta have some Jordan Peele stuff in there because he's like the new pioneer of horror. So, uh, Nope is my favorite of Jordan Peele's films, and I know that that's a hot take. Um, but in for me, the ranking of Jordan Peele's films from best to worst is definitely gonna go Nope, Us, Get Out, and I think for a lot of people, it would be the complete opposite. And if y'all wanna talk about that, we can talk about it outside of the show. Um, but so those are some essentials. Uh, there's a new Australian film starring a black teenager, um, Talk To Me, which just came out this uh, past summer. And although I wouldn't necessarily classify that as a black film per se, um, it does have a black protagonist and she does an incredible job. And I think that it's a good kind of introduction into one, international horror, um, but also, you know, it has the accessibility of a black character. Um, and that's really awesome. And what are some others? Um, 
Leprechaun in the Hood, very fun. That's one you want to kind of, if you partake in extracurricular activities, do that first and then watch that. Have a time of your life. Um, so yeah, those are going to be my big ones. There are a couple things that I think are really distinct about um, black horror films. One, uh, when you have films that have a black cast and not just a black person, um, you really get to see the like colorful spectrum of black identities. What happens a lot in horror films that just have one or two black characters is that oftentimes those characters really, they're either like wildly alienated from the white characters, right? Like they're so different than all the white characters or they're assimilating to you know, all of the things that we really kind of associate with white culture. So it's either like someone that has the worst parts of black stereotypes or it's someone whose blackness is not fully fleshed out in the films. And so what happens, and you know, um, we can talk about diversity um, and stereotypes and all of that and how it relates to individual black characters and the responsibility that individual black characters in predominantly white cast kind of have. Um, but the beauty of black films that have full black cast or mostly black cast is that you get to experience blackness in all kinds of forms. And I, a great example of this is the blackening that just came out this past summer. Um, it has, you know, just all of these different personalities and, and not only are those personalities present? They get to kind of exist untethered to whiteness. And I think that there is something very specific that happens to black people, both in uh, real life and in um, pop culture, where uh, obviously, you know, black people are more likely to be able to. Um, broadcast the parts of them that they might feel more um, tasked to mask if they're in the presence of a lot of white people. Uh, so you get to see these kind of unfiltered black personalities in community with other black people and that's really beautiful and it's something that you don't really get um, in black horror films. And so you get to kind of see these authentic ways that black people would react in a situation in which they are not, you know, thinking about respectability politics or their own survivability in relation to uh, their desirability to the white people that, you know, are around them. And so that's something very unique that black cinema does in the horror genre. Um, and I think what else it does is that it kind of really, um, it kind of really challenges this trope of the black guy dies first in movies, right? So, um, I, I, I have a colleague, Jason Sean, who's a film critic, uh, predominantly for the Nashville scene. And we done an interview, uh, we did like a conversational interview after we saw The Blackening. And one of the questions that he asked me was, you know, how this movie might challenge um, the black guy dies first trope. And it, that was a very, it's a great question. And I think it's something we kind of all think about when we watch horror films. And um, in that conversation, it was great to really unpack why 
we all kind of have that cultural like landmark of black of black people in horror films um and i realize it's because when you are the singular entity carrying you know a whole race your your presence is very much you know very clear when you're there and very clear when you're absent and so it's not even always the case that the black guy dies first in horror films but if the black guy dies you you have you know um a whole race of people are now extinct in that movie in that universe and that's what happens when there's only you know when there's not representation um when there's not enough representation to start with if you kill the only person that's carrying that representation then it's no longer there and it's your audience is going to feel that um and so what happens in black cinema is that if one black person dies there's a whole bunch of other black people uh still there so you're not um it kind of definitely i guess buries that that uh stereotype i definitely I think one thing that I'm really excited about is seeing more black directors. Um, I think we're definitely getting to a point where it's not uncommon to have multiple black people in the film, but films change drastically by who's directing them. You can have the exact same script, and if a black woman is directing it, it's going to look very different and it's going to feel very different, the tone is going to be different than if a white man directs it and vice versa. Um, So I think that uh, the on-screen contributions of actors who are kind of marching us into the revolution of of black horror um, will directly result in there being more black people behind the camera. And so I'm definitely really excited to see how the language of film changes in the genre as black people have more creative control over black films and um black directors are and especially black producers as well um you know directing is huge but um the visions of the producers if it's a black producer you know how they design the set the um you know, kind of the little Easter eggs that you find in the films. You know, I'm excited to maybe see like some relics from my own childhood that only a black person would be able to 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 um, to place in a film. Um, and so that's I think what I'm looking the most forward to is black people just having more creative licensing over the you know visual language of black horror. But something that I'm I kind of hope goes away is black horror films being directly tethered to um, some kind of like socio-political theme. Um, I think that film obviously is a really great place to work out those kinds of ideas and um, you know horror is a um, is a speculative kind of uh, narrative. So, you know, uh, just like fantasy, just like science fiction, horror is a place where we can turn to to work out some of the conflicts that exist in the real world or, you know, internally. And so, you know, dealing with racism or oppression or any kind of 
um, any kind of uh, challenge that might come with having a marginalized identity. Um, it's very cool that horror exists for uh, to you know, like Get Out is a great example of of what I of you know the kind of narratives that we are allowing to exist in horror right now, and even the blackening is about uh, as much as amazing as I think it is, it's still about being black. Um, and so I just wish that the the genre was a little more saturated with um, with stories that aren't directly tethered to being black. Uh, and I think that, yeah, because like I said, there are just, there's just a whole big spectrum of black people that are dealing with all kinds of problems, both related to their blackness and unrelated to their blackness. And so it'd be really cool to have black horror explore some of the other, other challenges um, that human beings face on a day-to-day -day basis or challenges that we don't face that <laughs> they're inventing, um, which is something cool that, you know, movies can do. All right, we want to give many thanks to our producer, Magnolia McKay, for bringing us that conversation with Sharonica Hayes, the special arts, the special projects associate and front house manager at the Belcourt Theater. We have to take a short break. When we come back, the phones will be open. We want to hear from you to talk about our show. If you have a comment, call us at 615-760-2000. That's 615-760-2000. Or you can tweet us at This Is Nashville. It's not as much fun as a call. We'll be right back. I'm Khalil Ekolona, and this is Nashville. As the show has grown, we've tried some ambitious segments and themes. A lot of people enjoyed our recurring segment, Inside Council Chambers with Nicole Williams. You know, the satirical approach to explaining the actions and issues that happen in Metro Council is a fun way to keep people informed about our local government. We also have Chris Com Chris Crofton's commentary piece, Nashville Confidential. It's where Chris offers his opinion on many things Nashville and Middle Tennessee. Now on Halloween, one month ago, we did something a little different. We dedicated the hour to a satirical production where we explored the following question. Where is the scariest place in Nashville for black people? The question itself is pretty heavy, but if you sprinkle some jokes on it, it becomes something very, very different. Here's a good example of some clips. The control room is saying this is really, really urgent. Let, let's patch the call through. Hello, caller. This is Khalil from This Is Nashville. What's your comment? Are you okay? Hey, man. Khalil. Yo. Hey, man, I need your help, man. Is this part of the show? Big fella? I don't know what's going on, man. It's crazy, man. What? Hold on. Slow man, down. I need you to help me, man. I need you to help me out. It ain't my, hold on. Ain't no time. Oh, I'm, I'm at. I'm at. Oh, oh, they said I got another day. Ah, get your hand on my pocket. Because look, what is Nashville without Big Fella? I mean, you got Broadway, country music, tall and skinnies. You got brunch options. Look, you got Elizabeth, this is the moment we've been training for. Action, Action team, go! We need a better name. 
When danger presents itself and calamity is near, there is one. So the first thing you have to realize is your shoes, you might have to walk up out of them because you're going you're gonna to crease up your Air Force Ones. I'm not going to allow that. Not in this black culture that I'm living in. Uh -huh. You're not going to crease no Jordans because you're yes, scared. Sir. You pick your Jordans up, you pick your Air Force Ones up, yes, and you run down the street. And Khalil, I'm not trying to blame you. Thank you. I'm not trying to blame you, fam. It is kind of his fault. Though. I'm starting to think it's his fault, yeah, but I'm not. Yeah. Because I'm at HQ, yeah. and I'm the general, and they call me Durangio. Metro Police Department, North Precinct. How may I help you? Hi. I'm an ally, and I want to report a missing person. Uh, what's the name of the person? Do you have a description of big fellow? Yeah, well, so he's big, and he's a fellow. I mean, how tall is he? What's his ethnicity, his age? Oh, yeah, right. Okay, so, well, I'm an ally, so he is African-American. Okay, well, how old is he? Well, let me restate that. He is a great king with a strong foundation of melanin. Did you know that melanin helps to protect the cells of the epidermis or outer layer? What's up, What's my up? man? Hey, man, we're asking people, where is the scariest place in Nashville for black people? Honestly, I don't even know, man. Can you answer that question for y'all? Thank you. I know you're tuned to this music station, but I really wanted to draw awareness to this ongoing search for Big Fella. And while the search is underway, I want to dedicate this one. Puff Daddy's missing you here All on 91. is that Big Fella is at the scariest place in Nashville for black people. Well, I'm here at the Capitol, and sometimes it is a little scary in there. Really? Yeah, I mean, you're outnumbered. That's one big scary thing, but some of the bills and legislation that passes through here, I wouldn't say it's... Hi, this is Megan Barry, the former mayor of Nashville and a dear friend of Big Fella. I want to talk with you for a moment about our friend, Big Fella. If you know Big Fella, as we speak, we have an investigative team on Broadway stopping at each bar, taking a couple of shots and asking patrons if they have seen Big Fella. All right, so here with me now is show producer Elizabeth Burton and him, the man himself, Willie Big Fella Sims, who was the main character of the episode. Elizabeth Big Fella, thank you both so much for being here. How's it going? It's good. I do have to be here, though, because I work here, but... That's true. <laughs> happy to be here. That is true. That is true. How you doing, Big Fella? Man, I'm just happy to be here, man. It was so stupid, man. Okay. It was so stupid. It was so dumb and a lot of fun. I can't believe it. But, okay, so, you know, I'll, let's talk about where this idea came from. Elizabeth, you were the producer for the Halloween episode. Can you explain just the general concept of the show? Well, initially, I was thinking about how Jordan Peele had just come out with that anthology on black horror as a genre, and then I was like, okay, what can we do to do like a Nashville twist on this for Halloween? And I was like, okay, what if we go up to people in the street and just ask them what the scariest place for black people is? And it's like a reported feature. But for people who know me, they know that that kind of serious traditional journalist style isn't, isn't really my jam. So we just started thinking, like, how can we make this as crazy as possible? Mm -hmm. And that's that. this is what we came up with. We certainly did. I mean... Tell me, like, really, why did you want to do something like this? This is a different thing that is usually broadcasted on a public radio station's yeah. daily show. I mean, I think it's important to remember that we are not that serious. Like, I really respect a lot of the amazing, prestigious work that is done by NPR and its many member stations and it is also important to remember that nothing is that serious and you can't take yourself that seriously. And it's 
you know, you got to bring your actual personality to the table sometimes. And I think that's what our goal was here. Mm-hmm. Big, big fellow, when you were approached with the idea to be down and do this, what were your initial thoughts? You called me and you asked me questions. Hey, man, what's the scariest place in Nashville for black people? And I was so confused. Mm. I was like, what kind of question is this? And then I started thinking. And then y'all told me the idea, and I said, this is probably the most stupidest thing ever. I'm so in. <laughs> Whatever I can do, I'm in. It was so it was so beautifully stupid. Awesome. Well, when you spoke to other people about the show's concept, how did they react? The same way, because you start out like, what's the scariest place for black people? And that question alone makes people go into all type of different places in their mind. Mm-hmm. And then they come back briefly like, what? You know what I'm saying? And that was pretty cool. But I didn't really talk to many people about it until after the fact, you know? Like, y'all was all the way in it when, when you called me, and I was like, I'm in. And I just, I was, I didn't know what to say. I didn't even know what it was all the way. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm thinking about why it's important for, you know, the city and the region to hear, kind of hear something like this over the airwaves. And it reminds me of some of the comments that Sharonica made in the interview before the break. She said, you know, you get to experience blackness in all kinds of forms in, you know, black people, no people are a monolith. You got to experience that in some way. I felt this a little special, but we do have a com- a caller. We have got Jennifer in North Nashville. Jennifer, welcome to This Is Nashville. How's it going? Thanks, Khalil. How are you? I'm well, how about yourself? We're doing okay, we're doing okay. All right, What what is your comment? What'd you like to share well, with us? I've been upset with y'all for for a while, and and you know with all the changes and all the people leaving and the people I cared most about, like Anna, when she left, uh, you lost something. You lost some heart, and then uh, your topics got strange, and then you were here one day and gone the next for weeks at a time sometimes. And I think that the thing that upset me most about the Halloween program um, was that I thought it was amateurish. And at the end of the program, you said, we'll be back on November 13th. And this was after, you know, being gone for weeks at a time for months. And I just thought, what's going on? So, so that upset me, and I think I did email you to express my regret over what was happening. But then, suddenly, you got interesting again, and I think it's because Tasha is now producing and directing. I think that Tasha is Nashville, and she so much knows what's going on here and knows what's important to us. So... Um, if you're going to keep Tasha on, uh, and if you can convince Anna to come back, uh, I will be, again, a very loyal listener. Well, we really appreciate I appreciate your comments, Jennifer, for coming on to the show. Um, I, I do want to kind of focus on what you right now we're talking about the Halloween episode. I do want to focus on that. Everybody has their opinions. The show was, mm-hmm. the episode was the cup of tea for some people. Some people, it wasn't their thing. A lot of folks didn't get it. They, they appreciated it. Um, what parts really kind of didn't vibe with you? Well, the, the thing about 
the Halloween episode was that I thought it was amateurish, and I thought that the places that you chose for the scariest places for black folks, uh, that's horrible. It was it was racist. It was it it was horrible. That you know you where where can you go? Well, let's go to the jail. Well, let's go to the courthouse. You know that that, that shows no depth of who. Black Nashville is. You think all black people are are down are afraid to go down to the police station, are afraid to go to the jail, are afraid to go to the courthouse? I don't think that's true, and I think it, you know it continues the uh, you know the prejudice and the horror that is per, uh, perpetrated on Black Nashville. You you expect that those are the places that black people will be afraid. You know, black people are going to be afraid at places where all people are afraid to be. Uh, I just thought it was racist and bad. I I understand. And again, thank you for those comments. I will let you know when we before we set out to visit one location, we asked about I I myself asked about 15 black people. How many did you ask? I asked 15, 20. I asked some white people, too. Yeah. And the first the, the, the one the only common Two places that everyone said the black folks should be afraid of is the jail and the courthouse. And the courthouse. We really appreciate your comments, Jennifer. And yes, we are all happy that Tasha is back with us. Hopefully you will continue to keep on listening with us. All right. So that kind of um, th- that kind of brings up, a, you know, a really good point. We had a lot of different comments about the episode. Emily Siner, former newsroom director of WPLN, she tweeted, I was like, tweeted, quote, I was like, what am I hearing on This Is Nashville? And the answer is either chaos or brilliance, maybe both. We we had a critical comment from a woman named Kelly. She lives here in Nashville, and this is a pretty long comment, but I think it's important that I read it all. She says, quote, hey, guys, I had to turn off the Halloween episode a few moments ago. I'm pretty appalled. The topic of safety for black people in Nashville is way too serious to, and heavy to be addressed with a play skit. It's also not well written or acted. This episode feels about as tone deaf as one can get, which doesn't make sense in the context of what the show has produced previously. This isn't a funny topic. This is coming across as a chance to blithely interview Nashville's leaders and figures about a serious subject. Safety is paramount to human existence. People telling you where they don't feel safe in this city isn't a joke. Jokes made by one of the guests interviewed, quote, just don't give a gift card to Hattie B's and the host's response, really distasteful. If you want to produce an episode where you bring together the people making and serving hot chicken in Nashville for like an honestly heated discussion about cultural appropriation, do that. I'd be so curious to hear about that, but don't make it a joke. Um, She goes on to say, I'm a native to Nashville in my mid 40s. This show had such promise, but it struggles to find a pace, find a groove for the time being. Scripted skits like today's show are not a path forward and then she ends with that she feels like she's been disappointed. Now, Elizabeth, you reached out to Kelly about her comments on the episode. Can you tell us a little bit about the conversation you've had with her? I did. It reminded me a lot of what we just heard from our caller, Jennifer. Um, So I was responding to Kelly from the This Is Nashville account, so I took a different tone than I would have taken if I had gotten that directly on my account because, you know, directly representing the show is very different from what I'm able to say just personally out in the world. Mm -hmm. That being said, I basically just have thanked her for her response. um, And I shared it with the rest of the team. And we were asking her if she wanted to come on the show to talk about it further. The next time I checked our DMs, 
she had left a really long, thoughtful message about how she had done some reflecting and thought that maybe it was not necessarily her place as a white woman to give this particular set of feedback to um, specifically me and you, Khalil, since we're both black. Um, I know y'all can't see us right now, but yeah, can, very much so. you, we are. We yeah. are. That, that's what that's what I've been told, um, as well as the many other black Nashvillians that we included in the piece. Um, and we went back and forth about whether she would like to be on the show. Um, I spoke to her on the phone. And then the, where we kind of ended things is that um, my take was she kind of went back to her original comments about not being happy with the tone of the show, that she didn't like it, um, and wanted to ensure that I knew her feedback was coming to me as an artist giving critique and not as a white woman. Mm. If you're just tuning in, this is Nashville, <laughs> and I'm your host, Khalil A. Colonna. We're talking this hour with you. That's right. We want to hear your comments about our show. All you have to do is call 615-760-2000. That's 615-760-2000. Or you could tweet us at This Is Nashville, but it's not as fun. At this moment, we're addressing the Halloween episode, and my guests are Willie Big Fella Sims and show producer Elizabeth Burton. Okay, so Big Fella. What's your honest reaction to Kelly's comments and Jennifer's as well? Man, I, as a black man, certified, I'm, I'm black. I got a cup right now. I say dope black dad. I see it. <clears throat> as a black man, I would like to say thank you to both of them for being so concerned <laughs> about, I'm serious, man, and being concerned about, like, the safety of black people. It's nothing to, to play with, you know what I'm saying? I know that because I'm black and I try mm -hmm. not to play with that. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? But this was, I just think it was just so hilarious. The show, I don't know. You mentioned a comment that somebody told you where they was like, huh, I think about how few times I get to hear black people talking to each other. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and uh, it was a like colleague's a, wife said that. Yeah. yeah. It was a black conversation. It was kind of like what uh, Sharonica was saying. She was like, it was untethered to whiteness. It was experiencing blackness in all forms. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And the black guy didn't die in this one. And I think we did that, find you. We yeah, found you for sure, for sure. And I think that uh, it was really, really. It's cool to have people concerned, but we were so used to being uh, scared in general mm -hmm. and nervous about life, and somebody gonna come get you, beat you up, take your kids, something like that. That we got to joke about it. Yeah, you know? I understand. That it. was the way to express it. Is in a laugh because if not, well, if you get black people that are scared and angry. And then it's a whole nother tone. Will you still care and protect me then? That is an yeah. entirely different you know what I'm saying? episode and conversation because, you know, there were so many people who were in this Judge Sheila Calloway, T Tequila Johnson and Equity Alliance, comedian Josh Black, meteorologist Leland Statham. You, we all heard former mayor oh, Megan Barry. We had Carlos Parti from Cashville. We had Maya Riley, the actress, as well as TV and podcast producer Jerome Moore. And to me, something that really kind of stood out was so many folks came in to be a part of this. Now, again, like I said, if this is your type of comedy, great. If it's not your type of comedy, that is fine. We took a chance. We tried something. We wanted to do something that was entertaining because not, not always are African-Americans kind of worried about their safety. Um, and if you listen, I don't want to give any spoiler alerts, but if you listen to that entire episode, no one could really identify a place in Nashville that felt dangerous to them. Granted, she's my sister. She's a little bit biased. She played it for her entire family. And my nieces, 13, 10 years old, said, it sounds like Nashville is a cool place for everybody to live. If you listen to it, that is a little bit of the underlying theme. Okay, we have 
a call coming up. Um, we have a call from Eloise in Belmont. Eloise, thank you so much for giving us a call. What's your comment? Um, I just wanted to say how much I love your show. I listen to it almost every day while I work, while I drive for work. I work at a local nonprofit. And I love that y'all took a big swing with the Halloween episode. I thought, no, I'd rather have a show with personality and, and people who take risks. And I just think it was really cool what y'all did. So um, thank you for all the work y'all do. I just really appreciate, you know, I hear on your show from members of the community that even I come into contact with. So it's just really, um, I think y'all are a gem for Nashville. We really appreciate that. Thank you so much for your comment, Eloise. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Then we are going to come back. When we come back, we got some more comments from people. Give us a call at 615-760-2000. 615-760-2000. We want to hear from you. Don't tweet us. Give us a call. Your voice is wonderful. We'll hear you. We'll talk to you soon. We'll be right back. I'm Khalil A. Colonna, and this is Nashville. The phone lines are open and we're taking your calls. Yes, we are talking to you. We want to get your thoughts and comments about our humble little show here on 90.3 FM. You know, I'm, I'm here with show producer Elizabeth Burton and Mr. Willie Big Fella Sims. We are discussing our Halloween episode, which was much talked about. Um, we had some comments. We had a Jennifer who thought... You know, the artistic value of the episode wasn't that high, wasn't that great, and we should really take better care when we're talking about safety of all people, but particularly African-Americans. We had some other people who really enjoyed the show. Elizabeth, you just discovered a tweet someone said. Yes, um, Dixie Girl 256 um, she tweets into the show quite often. She said, at This Is Nashville, loved the Halloween show, Shades of War of the Worlds. Khalil can broach this subject where another white host would be out of line, in my opinion. Humor can bring up sensitive topics to plant seeds for more serious discussion. Y'all are good at that, and I thank you for it. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for that comment. We have a call. We got one from West Nashville. We've got Eric on the line. Eric, welcome to This Is Nashville. How you doing? Doing well, good, sir. How are you doing? Doing all right, man. Doing all right. So glad that you called us. What's your comment, my friend? Uh, well, my comment is this, uh, you know, certainly while I appreciate uh, everybody's differing, you know, point of views on on that show and, uh, you know, the topic and everything, um, I, I do have to echo uh, what, you know, last person said, last tweet, and um, some other folks said, you know, there's a perspective that as an African-American, which, you know, I am, uh, as African-American male, um, that we're going to have on this city and there's a certain way that we can talk about it that other folks can't. So want to, you know, shout that out to you for taking that opportunity and taking that chance. Also, you know, I, I think the thing that some of the folks that may have had an issue with uh, as far as maybe they didn't like the way it was presented or whatever else is that they may be missing the bigger point that this is what that, you know, could bring to light, which is a conversation, mm -hmm. right? You know, and this idea of, oh, well, you know, it, it's, it's uh, you know, we it, it, black folks shouldn't be, you know, scared to be at the courthouse, shouldn't be, you know, scared to be, you know, in a police precinct or whatever else. You're right. Shouldn't. That's the key word. They should not. 
But the fact of the matter is, if you got multiple folks, like you said, you talked to 15 to 20 people, you know, got somebody else that spoke to 15, 20 people, somebody else spoke to, you know, 30 people. I mean, you know, one person, if when they, when you, when you do network analysis, one, as you probably well know this, one person represents 300 people. So if you spoke to 30, you know, people, do the math on that, right? Mm-hmm. If, if you've got multiple folks bringing that up, then clearly that's, you know, there's an issue there. And so the fact that folks can even talk about it in a comical manner, you know, the idea of you got to laugh to keep from crying sometimes, that right there should show that there's been a myriad set of experiences that it goes from that of tragic to that of the just complete, you know, guffawed, <laughs> you know, inane, like, I can't even believe I got pulled over for this kind of thing. Yeah, I, so, I understand. Yeah. I want to yeah, think. So that, yeah. Thank yeah. you so much. I got a couple other calls, callers to get to. Thank you so much for that call, Eric. You know, it's something that I was thinking about as I was talking to people about, you know, we kind of expected some of this criticism. Right. We, at, we at, did and, talk and about we, that. And we welcome it. We're not trying to be defensive. We welcome it. We knew that th- this type of thing was coming because we're looking at our society in 2023. But the important thing is we can have a discussion about it. And just the comment about, you know, people talking about how jail and uh, the courthouse and things. It's like, well, my philosophy is this. Anybody who's comfortable with being in jail has been in jail too much. Uh, that's that's definitely my comment. We got a comment from Bill Zekman in McMinnville who wrote, WP, quote, WPLN and its 10 team created a contemporary classic with Where is Big Fella? It was a brilliant concept, superbly produced, and splendid innovation in the enjoyment of Halloween season. I hope you do something like this for Halloween. You have both set the expectations really high. We were thinking about, I'll let you guys know, we were <laughs> thinking about doing something for the holidays called The Snitch Who Stole Kwanzaa, but we don't necessarily have enough time, but you can expect oh. something coming from us if our bosses approve it around Black History Month. Elizabeth. Well, another thing that's really interesting to me about some of this commentary, you know, we shouldn't have talked about the scariest place for Nashville in a humorous way. I think it's very interesting and perhaps a little challenging for our typical listener because they may be used to he- be hearing about black issues from some of our colleagues that are doing excellent reporting on some of the very issues we came at. Uh, we've had a lot come out from Maribel Knight recently with the kids of Rutherford County. Yeah. Paige Flager has been reporting on um, incarceration in other parts of Tennessee, yeah. disproportionately affecting black and brown kids. So I would offer that it's a little bit interesting to me that that reporting, you know, they had a sold out audience at the bell court last night. And some of the people that I imagine would have been in that audience are mad that black Nashvillians are discussing the same issue, but just in a different tone. That's just yeah. just going to throw that out Every, there. Everybody has their, we have a couple more calls in only a few more minutes. I want to jump through these. We got Josie and Jolton. Josie, thank you so much for calling. What's your comment? Hey, I just wanted to say that I absolutely loved the Halloween special because in a world that's filled with such heavy content all the time, our brains kind of go numb to it, it seems. And the comedic and lighthearted approach, I think, made it much more palatable for maybe a younger audience. Um, And it made it to where I wanted to listen the whole time to figure out where Big Fella was. And it kept me captivated personally. And it made such a heavy topic um, really much easier to understand and made it much more personal. So I think it was a a great segment. And I hope that you all decide to do more things like that because for – 
a younger generation of listeners, it seemed to be much more enticing and gripping, even well, though it was a little, it was lighthearted. It made it better. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for that comment. We're going to go on to Amber in Murfreesboro. Amber, thanks for calling. What's your comment? We only have a couple minutes left. Okay. I just wanted to say, I don't typically listen to this show, but I will. And I'm going to go back and listen to the horror episode. I typically listen to Sarah Sexton, but you have a new caller. I was going to say that Typically, uh, when I think about black horror, I know this isn't a form of trauma, uh, of comedy, but there's a lot of liter- literature out there, like Octavia Butler, Mount Rive Do, that explain um, racial trauma in the form of horror. And so this is actually like a real thing that helped, you know, you know, explain reality. So I think that this is a great idea. I can't wait to listen to it. Shout out Big Fella, this run, Aiken's Life. Oh, what up, though? I love Murphy's Big fella knows everyone. Thank you so much for that, Amber. We're going to go to Remy, who's in Woodbine. Remy, thanks for calling. We have just like a minute left. What's your comment? Yeah. Hey, yeah, um, I really love the episode. Um, I think this conversation needs to be talked about um, in any format. Just because it's an uncomfortable one for everybody, that just means there's more reason to talk about it. I think and personally believe my wife and I um, own a salon in East Nashville, about 30 employees. Um, she's African-American, so it's a black-owned business. Um, I built it out, and then I kind of walked away from it. And um, there's a lot of inclusivity there, and she tries to uh, tear down the, the wall between segregated salons by uh, allowing services for all skin color and hair types, most importantly. So I think it's really important to talk about this and make people uncomfortable. Um, to go forward, you know. Awesome. Thank you so much for that, Remy. Okay, we don't have much time left. I'm just going to read the comments. Shout out to Tim and Hermitage. You love astronomy. We are going to do some telescope shows. We've been trying to talk to Representative Tim Burchett about the yes. aliens. And, Tim, uh, we're, we're, we need you. Please, please Tim, come on Tim, if you're the listening, we're trying. I love you, Tim. Peace. Shout out to Jerome Moore, who was a part of the episode. He said a great episode. Nicole Williams said she appreciates us taking risks as an artist. Barbara in Southeast Nashville says, great Halloween show. James in North Nashville, we hear you, poetry community. We just did a show about the po- the slam poetry scene. We're going to keep on doing more of those because This Is Nashville is for you. It is your show. We're going to open up the phone lines a little bit more to hear from you, but please tweet us if you'd like Twitter or not. It's your own personal opinion, but tweet us at This Is Nashville, or you can send us an email at thisisnashville at wpln.org, or you can just call the general number and leave us a message. I want to thank you so much. I want to thank Mr. Willie Bigfella Sims for coming in. Artist, organizer, all-around amazing human being. Thank you to the brilliant producer Elizabeth Burton for being here. Thank you both. Really appreciate it. Thank, thank you. you Alright, and thanks to you for tuning in on this hour. This is Nashville is a production of Nashville Public Radio. It was produced by Elizabeth Burton and yours truly, directed by our senior producer, Tasha A.F. Limley. Thanks to Mariana Bacayao for helping out the boards on the boards and Mr. Char Dastin for masterfully taking all of those phone calls. The masterminds behind our theme music are LaRange and Namir Blade. You can listen back at thisisnashville.org or wherever you get your podcasts. And the conversation doesn't end here. Tweet us at thisisnashville, find us on Instagram, and tell us what you want from our show by filling out our quick survey online. This is Nashville. I'm Khalil Ekelona. We'll see you on Monday, everybody, and be good to each other.